Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sessions with Sid. I'm Sid, your host. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. This episode intro is being recorded at the beach because if you've been listening, you know I sometimes like to record at the beach. And I am so very pumped for today's guest, Nadia Last. I synchronously was connected to her very recently and we are basically twins. We are both human design projectors. We have the same life path in human design. Our haircuts are super similar and we talk about those actually in the episode and what each of our haircuts means and symbolizes to us. And that is a very powerful conversation about identity and gender fluidity. And I just had so much fun recording with her. We dive into so many juicy topics and I am so grateful that I was connected to her. It was super synchronous. And I know that you're gonna love the episode if you're at all interested in human design and finding your soul purpose. If you're on your spiritual awakening or starting to awaken your intuitive gifts, this episode is going to light you up I felt so filled up after this episode and Nadia did too and now we are good friends and soul family. So I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did recording it and we would love to hear your feedback. Be sure to let us know if anything positively impacted you from this episode. I love hearing from you and please share the episode in know your Instagram stories or send it to a friend if it resonates with you that really helps the show reach more people and if you love the podcast please leave a five-star rating and review because that helps it reach more people which is my goal to spread as much love and light as possible I also want to say excuse me for my voice I have been dealing with some respiratory issues since being sick a little bit ago and they're kind of surfacing back up I'm not sick, I'm just, my lungs are not as healthy as they could be, so apologize for that. And I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Nadia before we get into the episode. So Nadia Last is an intuitive guide and she helps people who are awakening and reconnecting with their soul and discovering their intuitive gifts. And she does this in a really unique way um, and she, she's a human design expert and she does human design readings and I've never heard anyone talk about human design in the way that she does and I just, I just love the way she talks about it. It's so tangible and easy to digest. She offers private one-on-one mentorships, a group intensive called Soul Group, human design readings, and community healing events and she also has her own podcast called The Current where she unpacks all of the 
changing energetic currents of the collective consciousness, which I think is so cool. So as I mentioned in this episode, we talk about so many juicy topics and I just know you're going to love this. Before I dive in to the episode, I wanted to announce that I have spots open for one-on-one coaching with me, which is really exciting. As you all know, I'm a therapist and intuitive healer, and I'm offering coaching to anyone who might be on their spiritual awakening journey, wanting to open up their intuitive gifts, who are struggling with mental health of any kind, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, healing. I would love to help you and support you and guide you on your healing journey. So if this calls to you, please DM me on Instagram. We can set up a free call and see if we're a good match. And I just look forward to connecting to many of you. All right, let's get into the episode with Nadia. Hello, Nadia. I'm so excited to have you on the show, and it's been so fun talking to you before we hit record. Um, Can you please introduce yourself and share with the listeners anything that you feel called to at this moment? Mm, Absolutely. Sid, it is such a joy to connect with you. There are so many common threads in our stories, and I'm excited to touch on whatever needs to come through today. But how do I want to introduce myself today? My name is Nadia. And the work that I do is I'm currently categorizing it as intuitive guidance. I do one-on-one and group work, and I am deeply fascinated by human design as a system to better understand ourselves right now. So I do readings. I go very, very deep with my readings. And right before this call, I looked up Sid's chart and we have very similar energy. So I'm excited to touch on that if that wants to flow. Um, And I recently, a couple of weeks ago, decided to go back to grad school to become a psychotherapist. So there's a common denominator in Sid and I's story as well. And so I'm fascinated by psychology, spirituality, wellness, and the intersection of our mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. I'm just so excited. We, I feel like we're twins. We're like projector therapists, twins, not to like put boxes around us, which we also will get into later, um, which I'm excited about as well. But yeah, I, it's always so amazing to be synchronously connected to who we're meant to and in the ways that we get connected to those people. So I'm so grateful and feel like I know you, even though this is my first time meeting you virtually. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so fascinated by human design and of course, spirituality. And I'm wondering how, how did you get into human design? It's such a big question. And, um, I really, human design is such a mystical system. It is the synthesis of four ancient esoteric systems, Western astrology, which most people are familiar with the Hindu chakra system, which is popularized through yoga. Um, the Jewish Kabbalah tree of life. And then finally the Chinese I Ching, the book of changes, which is one of the oldest books on the planet. So humans have been using this system for so long. And then it was only over the past 20 years that the founder of the system sort of stacked them on top of each other. And I describe it as a system of energy. It describes with stunning accuracy, 
how it feels to wake up in your body, Sid, how it feels to wake up in my body and the energy that flows naturally in from our bodies and where we take in energy from the world around us. And it sounds really esoteric, but it's actually really practical in practice. And um, I start there because I have found that people find human design at very, very mystical junctures of their life. I never push people to get a human design reading. Of course, I want to scream about human design from the rooftops because it's created so much clarity in my own life. But I find that people find it when they're considering a big job change, when they are going through a relation relationship turbulence, or people always find it at exactly the right time when they're open to it. And that was the same case with me. My friend sent me a text offhand two years ago. Just, I was so fascinated by astrology at the time. And I just downloaded the app, the pattern, if you're familiar with it. Definitely. And they're also the co-star. Oh my God. So accurate. (laughs) Yeah. What I love about the pattern and I still use it actually for transits. So astrological transits about what you're going through in your life. And I'm just finishing a 20 month long transit all about radical transformation. And I know those listening can't see us, but Sid and I both have similar haircuts. I chopped off all of my hair earlier this year. I've made so many changes in my life. So it, it always maps out to exactly what I'm going through. So I was fascinated by this app. I was like, how the hell based on my birth time, date and location, do people know what I'm going through? And I was just doing sort of like friend astrological readings. And one of my friends who did a reading with me was like, I think human design is meant for you when you're ready. And I remember reading that text and feeling all this energy course through my body. And we always hear about different spirituality modalities, like the Akashic records or Reiki or, and I'd heard about them and, and I didn't feel the same sort of like buzz from the inside out. And I just looked up my human design chart. And for anybody who's attempted to look up their chart on their own, it's so complex. There's so many hieroglyphics and numbers and colors, and it doesn't really mean much but I saw that I was a projector and I looked up that I was a non-energy type and that I wasn't meant to do, do, do. I was meant to see. And I had so much grief when I first found out that I was a projector because I had to make peace with so much of my life that I was trying to keep up with everyone. I had been taking stimulants for a long time to keep up in the corporate world. Um, I was prescribed Adderall for many years. Uh, And it was like, I got confirmation that everything that I felt within my body all along was correct. And I had internalized it as something was so wrong with me at the time. And I just want to normalize when people find out about their human design, there's, I call it the human design hangover. People are like, Oh God, like the things that they thought might be wrong with them or that they were told were wrong with them is sort of like confirmed in a system. But then once you get over that threshold, it's like a whole new world opens up. I'm like, okay, These were the cards that I was dealt. I'm a projector. So how can I play the heck out of this hand that I was dealt? So I made so many profound life shifts, just knowing that the way that my energy works, my energy is finite. And where I do have consistent energy is in my throat. So sitting here with you, Sid, on this podcast interview, I'm using using my energy the way that it's designed. And even after I'm lit up by something, I'm going to need time to rest and that I'm a leader and a guide and a seer and to trust what I see in myself and in other people. So yeah, it's been a two year long journey. I've gone down the rabbit hole. I've been studying, I'm I'm self-taught in human design 
And I haven't found a training program yet that speaks to me. And I keep getting nudges that I'm probably supposed to design my own training program. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like a further out thing, but, uh, it's my fascination and I keep waiting for human design to get old and it's not getting old because people come to me and they feel so seen at such a deep level by a stranger effectively that it, it honestly gives me goosebumps talking about it. And my goal with human design and therapy is I think that human design as a system can complement traditional therapeutic modalities. And the thing that I love most about human design is, um, every person is so radically different. Like even with all of our similarities, Sid, you are such a unique manifestation of that energy. Mm. And I, it's humbling for me as a practitioner, because I think before finding human design, I would have projected onto other people. This is what works in my life. So it better work in yours. And now I know I have no idea what will work best for you or anyone else. You are your own best authority. All I can do is shine a light on your gifts and hope that that brings you into some sort of inner remembrance and inner wisdom that's available. I believe to all of us. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. That's such a beautiful illustration of like what human design means to you and gives people like an illustration of like what human design can do for people. Um, and I'm endlessly fascinated by it. I mean, you taught me something new today about how it can shine light on what your gifts are in this lifetime. And I've never heard that before. So and I'm a one three. So I just love like all the information and, you know, research on, on things. And it's so fascinating. Um, and I resonate with, you know, being a projector and, you know, there's this moment of like, oh man, but then it's like also really validating when you look back on your life and I'm sure you resonate but I was living my life as a generator and was constantly riding the energy of people for years and years and years and didn't realize it. And then learning, I was a projector and kind of deconditioning and learning what my own energy felt like. I was like, wow, this feels great. I don't feel like I'm crashing after having, you know, three shots of espresso um, from other people's energy. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what are some of the biggest shifts that you've made just in how you live out your daily life? Like, have you given yourself more permission to rest? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think with my spiritual awakening, it forced me to look at literally everything, which I'm sure we'll dive deeper into, um, as we talked about before we started recording, but I definitely, give myself permission and more time in between, you know, seeing clients or maybe only scheduling a certain number of things in a day, because I know that when I'm with someone, I'm, you know, as a projector, we see people so deeply that it does take a lot more energy and like leaving space for that, but then also leaving space for myself to decompress, to ground, to cleanse, to do what I want to do in a day that nurses me, nourishes me. Um, and I still run into like, you know, 
feeling like, oh, I'm not doing anything today. And it's like getting kind of out of that and being like, okay, well, let's look at what you have done. But it's also like you said, it's not about the doing. It's about like being and seeing. And that to me is something I come back to. Like, I'm not here to just do, 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 like maybe a generator or an MGE or something. Totally. And I think that whatever energy type you are listening, there are ways in which you can sort of like boomerang your energy back into alignment. And um, yeah, for projectors and reflectors and manifestors, all non-energy types, all not generators who are here to do, do, do. My advice to you is trust the rest. I talk with so many people who are so frustrated with themselves. They're like, why did I need to nap? Or why did I need to take a week off? Or why did I need to etc. And when you trust that rest on the other side of that rest, you'll get your energy back and you just work in spurts. And, um, it's interesting actually talking about becoming a therapist. I know that you're right now sort of getting your hours to become licensed. And I'm at the very beginning of my journey, but I know going into it as a projector that I'm going to be conditioned to take on as many clients as I can within a week and, you know, 20 to 25 clients and working 40 hours plus. And, um, I think going in with that knowledge, I'm like, however long it takes me, so be it. I'm not now because I've deconditioned myself so much. I'm not going to take on that amount of stress because even if I see five clients in a week, which is sort of my schedule right now, those people will feel so immeasurably seen that it's worth it. So totally. Um, yeah. And I think with therapy, especially there is in sort of I guess, medical fields, um, there is that like, okay, you have to see like eight clients in a day. And just thinking about that, I would just like, I would be on the floor. Um, and I love what you said about like knowing that, you know, those five people that you serve, they're getting all of you is how I describe it when I'm with people. And that's, bigger than, Oh, how many people can I pack into a day? Mm -hmm. So, and it's the quality over the quantity for those who aren't a manifesting generator or generator. Um, it's about, if I know that I only have about 35% of my gas tank full, I'm going to be so judicious about what I choose to do. I'm going to be so intentional about the way that I spend my time. I used to have to-do lists like a mile long. I have a Virgo moon. So I have this like oh. analytical organized energy yeah. and it feels good to have a to-do list, but it drove me nuts when I couldn't accomplish it all. And I was so hard on myself. And now I basically said there were three slots in my day. I'm going to have three main focuses. And even sometimes that is too much, depending now we'll layer on, uh, I track my monthly feminine cycle, my moon cycle, and I layer in the way that my energy ebbs and flows that way. And also with the moon, like the full to new moon cycle. And there's so many ways in which, you know, I'll go through a week where I feel euphoric and I can get more done. And then I'll go through two weeks of rest and where I'll, you know, getting one thing done in a day. I have just learned to trust the cycles of my energy more. And it allows me to live my life with so much more ease. I used to get so mad at myself. And I just think knowing my human design gives words to the experience that it feels to be me. And it doesn't feel so wrong anymore. Totally. I feel that too, with what I've learned about myself through human design, it gives you that permission to, like you said, be who you are. And I think that's the most powerful thing. Um, Not that we need permission, but 
it helps to have something saying like, this is literally how you were designed. And then you're like, okay, great. I'm going to be that. Um, and maybe kind of tying that into what we started talking about um, before we started recording and related to identity and hair and like, we'll get into this for the listeners if you're confused already, but, um, for me, like human design, one of the things that I felt was validating was the identity center. And like, for me, I have that defined and please correct me if I'm ever kind of off with what I'm saying, because I'm not a human design expert, (laughs) but, um, learning that my defined G means that I know who I am inherently and I don't need other people. Like maybe you can speak to this better, but like my idea of this is I don't need other people to tell me who I am. Um, and yeah, do you have anything you want to say about that before I keep going? Cause I feel like I have I'm so much. That. Yeah. So basically looking at Sid's chart, which I have it up right next to me, She has what's called a defined identity center or G center in human design. And it's this diamond shape. If you're looking up your own chart right in the middle of the chart, and it's either colored in yellow and for SIDS it's colored in, meaning she has access to her own identity or it's white, meaning it's undefined, meaning you take in identity energy from the world around you, but you might not have your own fixed sense of self. And I'm an open identity, which makes this conversation nuanced and interesting, but SID has the gift in this lifetime of knowing who she is and having a healthy boundary between herself and others. And if she's presented with an opportunity and she really goes inward, she can kind of sense like, this is either me or it's not me. And you have consistent access to sort of your direction and your purpose in life. If you get quiet enough to listen to your identity center, which is sort of called the seat of the soul, which is what your soul is asking for. If you get quiet enough to listen to that subtle pulse You'll hear, hey, go here, talk to this person, you know, go into this line of work. And it's a gift and you know who you are. And so what you're saying is, you know, with this haircut, this radical haircut or anything else that you do, it's just a continuous, like peeling back of the layers that keep you from being your most authentic self. And for me in this lifetime, I don't have consistent access to that. So me getting this haircut, and it's just so cool that we have similar haircuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it was my hair was such a big part of my identity. And if you have an open identity center, you're not meant to grip onto any specific thing that makes you feel like you have more of a sense of self, whether it's a job title or how much money you have in the bank account or long hair or short hair. And so my process of cutting my hair was sort of divorcing myself from any sort of identity and, and just showing up in spaces. So, but I'm curious to hear in your own words, how, how this, how your haircut related to this identity. Yeah. I've spoken about this on previous episodes kind of here and there. Um, but when I started awakening in 2018, I started questioning everything about myself as happens with, you know, awakening and being in the dark night of the soul. And I started to essentially question like this idea of gender and like my own gender and what is it? Like, you know, I had always defined myself um, as, you know, a cisgendered woman and 
that was that, but this sort of took that and caused me to ask different questions and kind of not to come up with another box, but it resonated with me, this idea of, you know, being gender fluid and that, you know, souls inherently don't have a gender. And so it doesn't make sense to put that in a gender box um, is kind of how I feel about it. And I know that resonates with you as well. Um, And in that process, it was hard for me to like accept the fluidity. And I think I still, not, I think I do still struggle with um, accepting the fluidity in a world that is very binary. We're moving in a different direction, thankfully, and trying to find another label for my experience, which is not the point. So back to the haircut for me, it was sort of the symbolism of like shedding kind of old layers and old identities that maybe didn't resonate anymore and kind of starting new and really feeling more valid as a, well, not that you need to cut your hair to be a valid as a non-binary gender fluid person, but for me, that's what it was. And this freedom I gained of doing something that I said I would never do because my hair had always been like really long. And again, I resonate with, it was part of my identity and, and really needing to shed that to fully step into like myself at like more of a soul level. Totally. And what you're talking about that we're all souls that we've all likely lived many lifetimes before this one. And we've all identified all different skin colors, all different cultural identities, all different gender identities. We ultimately make a choice about our biologically assigned gender at birth, but there's so much more fluidity that we have access to within ourselves because our soul is coded with all of those different experiences. That's why I get so frustrated with all the tribalism happening on an ideological basis, on a race basis, which is socially constructed. We could go on and on because I'm like, I want to just shake people and say, you have been that person. So don't be so quick to point fingers. Um, and obviously so much of this like hate and divisiveness is coming from a place of fear and loss of control, uh, through the pandemic, which is an oversimplified way to talk about what's going on. So I'm really trying to create a lot more compassion for what's happening. But I think with regards to the gender fluidity conversation, it's like when you cut off your hair, your hair holds energy, your hair stores all of the different life experiences that you've had. My hairdresser, who is also somewhat of a spiritual teacher for me. He, um, he's an astrologist. He was like, I cut hair, um, for someone who was an addict and I could see where in her hair, she was really addicted to that substance because it was much more brittle and it had a different texture and a different color. Wow. And so on a, just a physical level, when you cut your hair, especially when you cut it as short as we did, like we truly let go of energy that was in the past. So I feel like just physically, I have a fresh start and I didn't go into my haircut um, with the intention of, of presenting as more gender fluid. Um, however, that's how I I had this experience of cutting my hair and feeling more beautiful than I'd ever felt. I felt like it made my eyes bigger. I just felt more like myself. I felt like I could finally own my features for the first time because I couldn't hide behind my hair. I had to own the shape of my nose, the shape of my eyes, my, you know, everything. 
And then I had this experience of going out into the world and having people be like, whoa, like that's a really radical haircut. Like, does your partner Scott like that haircut? Like, oh, do you still feel pretty? And, and it made me start to question and, and my, um, one of my family members, when I saw her back in Michigan, she looks at me, she's like, you look great. You look so gay. And I was like, wait, what? Like (laughs) so offensive, so backwards. She had her heart in the right place, I, I guess, but it's, um, I share that because as I started to experience and move through the world, I was like, I am gender fluid and that there's a reason why I feel more like myself with this haircut. And, um, I hate that I had to get this haircut to realize that. And what I really believe is that we're all queer. Mm -hmm. We're all different shades of that queer and that we're socially conditioned out of it. Um, I, I just, I, yeah. And I think that it needs to be talked about in a way that isn't so feared. I totally agree. And like, so many powerful statements you made about, you know, yeah, uh, we all have degrees of queerness and identifying in different ways. And we don't, we feel like we need these boxes because it's comfortable and like, okay, if I know that you're this, then I know you're this. And I know that this goes with this. And it's like, not like that really. Um, at, at a soul level, like this is all 3d stuff that has been created. And then it creates those stereotypes like, oh, well you look this because of this haircut. And it's like, whatever. And I just, when people kind of have comments like that, um, I'm, I just remind myself like, okay, they're in this other level of consciousness and that's okay. And I'm over here and that's okay. Um, and not take it to heart. Cause I feel like it, my past self would be offended by certain things that people say, um, which we talked about, um, before, but I was going to say something actually around, um, having an open heart in human design. Mm-hmm. When you have an open heart, your heart is responsible for self-worth self like value and willpower and motivation and competition. And you and I both said have an open heart, meaning we don't have consistent access to that motivation, that 11th hour energy that gets us over the hump, this energy to prove ourselves to other people. And what that means often is that we can be a little bit more tenderhearted and that our sense of self-worth is a little bit more fragile. And so what you're talking about, about people, you know, their words might've hurt you uh, earlier on and coming to this realization that you source your sense of self-worth and self-esteem within yourself. I fully resonate with that. And it's been an interesting experience to have all across the spectrum. So many people comment on my hair because it is a big change physically. And, um, I think my experience of people being shocked and not receiving as much positive affirmation as I received before when I conform to societal beauty norms, um, has, has forced me to look within and say, do you feel beautiful, Nadia? Like I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, do you feel beautiful? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. And I love how much access I now have to, you know, wearing jewelry and, and just having more fun with my clothes. I just feel more expansive and I feel more playful and it's allowing me to sort of build up my open heart from within. I love that. What you said about feeling more expansive, like that is such a beautiful thing. And I resonate with that as well. It like it's almost like gives this blank canvas of like 
that's how I feel. Ooh, I'm self-projecting here. Okay. So I love when I do that and then I get chills and then I'm okay. (laughs) So it like provides this blank canvas for me. I feel of like when, when I look in the mirror to myself, I look more, um, I want to use the word like androgynous, but I know I don't look androgynous to other people, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm not defining myself by having like long quote feminine hair. Um, and then kind of what you're talking about, it's like adorning myself as I feel that day, uh, with this blank canvas is how I feel about my hair being short. Totally. I totally agree. And I think it's so cool that, uh, when I put on a baseball cap, I look like really like a a little kid, like a little boy. (laughs) And then I kind of love it. It's kind of rebellious. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I don't need to look beautiful right now. And I think it looks kind of cute. And then like when I'm, uh, going to an event, which is infrequent these days, but still I'll put on like a beautiful dress and beautiful lipstick and beautiful earrings. And I love how rebellious that feels that with this sort of like shaved, side of my head, I can still sort of show up and be just as feminine. And it just feels, it feels more self-expressive, uh, for me. Okay. You just gave me a message and named what I think I couldn't name before about this like rebellious idea. Um, so for me, when I, and again, I'm, when I self-project, I just kind of have to find my word. I don't have to explain to you, but for the listeners who are like, okay, just get it out. Um, when I dress up and I put on my lipstick and my boots with heels or whatever, I do feel this sense of rebellion, rebelliousness. And I think I was labeling that as, oh, you're not being your authentic self. But what I'm getting from you, which I so appreciate is that this rebelliousness is a positive thing because, Ooh, okay. Because I am going against society's like ideas of what a woman should be. And I'm choosing to be, or my soul has chosen to be this gender fluid being. And that means that I can wear the lipstick and the heels and feel rebellious about, yeah, I'm doing this because this feels good to me right now. And I can, but I can also, you know, put on the baseball cap and the men's sweater and whatever it is, quote men's. Um, And also that can be rebellious. And, and I love that you reframed this idea of rebelliousness for me because I was labeling it as you're being like inauthentic. Totally. And it's just, it's cool because I have so, so many people Sid, have told me, but you're so beautiful. Like, why would you cut off all your hair? Like your hair was so beautiful. Da, 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 da. And it's actually lit a fire in me. Like I got the haircut because I had a very mystical experience um, that I'd love to talk about if it comes up, but where I felt like my guides were basically showing me like, you need to cut your hair to more embody the energy of your soul and and (sighs) the energy that you're here to be in this lifetime. So I did it almost as like, uh, I'm feeling called to do this. 
And then I, I experienced everybody's reactions to it, but through everybody's reactions, I realized how outdated our construct of gender still is and our construct of beauty. And that lit a fire in me. I'm like, what the hell? Like, no, I did not ask Scott for his permission. Absolutely not. Like I'm not his property. No, I don't feel any less beautiful because I've cut out my hair. Like it just, um, it honestly gets me really fired up talking about it. And I haven't talked about it that much. And still finding the words to articulate it, but I feel as though it, um, just highlighted how far we have to go. And there's a part of me that's sad that in 2021, we're still even talking about something as superficial as a haircut, but that's where we are. That's where the conversation is. And I'm so grateful that I get to be part of that conversation. There's so many others that need to take place, but, um, it's liberating. It really is. And I'm so grateful. Like we are talking about it which was obviously so meant to be um, because you have in this conversation piece we're having now about gender um, have expanded my mind more and given me more of a message of like, you're okay. Like what you're, you're, you know what I mean? Like yes, what you're doing totally. is okay. Um, yeah. Cause I, I sometimes have those battles with myself about like when I'm, trying to get dressed. And I'm like, what is an accurate representation quote accurate of myself? You said something, what was the line you said about, oh, it helps you, the hair helps you to express like your soul more. And I feel like that's kind of, I feel like how we should think about, um, you know, when we dress or whatever, not that those are important things, but it's more of a question of like, what makes you feel like you are living out your soul and expanding. Um, and it doesn't matter if that means you're a cisgendered man who feels like wearing a dress, like who gives a shit? Like, I don't know why people care so much about how other people look. Um, but it's again, that sort of 3d thinking, I think. Yeah. It's wild how much people still care. That's exactly it. And I actually saw on your Instagram, your most recent post was about you embodying your body. And I just want to kind of break this down, but the way that I view it, um, and, and what I've learned is that we have a soul and then our soul chooses to incarnate here and choose a specific body. And I think of it almost like a video game. Like you came down, you're like, I'm going to be here in 2021 when all this crazy stuff is going down, I'm going to choose Sydney and I'm choosing this more gender fluid, um, gifts. And I think that human design actually does a great job of painting all the different gifts that you selected Mm. in this lifetime to live out your life purpose and your soul contract, which is multifaceted and your karmic lessons. And you select the exact right gifts that will help get you there. And it's so cool, Sid, that we have such similar gifts between us, but it's almost like in your video game character, you select the right sword and the right shield to sort of like bring you into your hero's journey. And, um, where was I going with that? That like, we were talking about how to like, um, embody oh, your, soul. your body. Yes, exactly. So your body is separate from your soul. So it's like, how can I love Nadia and this incarnation and this body that I've chosen? How can I love everything about my body and not over identify with my body, which is what my haircut helped me do. It's like, if I can get this haircut, 
like, <laughs> I'm almost like divorcing myself from needing to be so beautiful by society standards. And it allows me to more appreciate my body as the vessel through which I'm living out my purpose. And to your point about like, how can my soul, there's like an energetic flavor of our soul that's lived all the different lifetimes. And then there's an energetic flavor of our physical body. And so how can we continue to, um, express the energy of our insides externally? Yes. Yes. Just yes to everything. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. And okay. You said there was something, this is my therapist brain backtracking. There was something you wanted to share. Um, and I didn't know if that was still relevant. Well, it, it is, it's, it's the story through which I ended up getting the haircut. It's kind of a wild journey, but over New Year's, um, I was doing a psychedelic experience with my partner and, um, and there was a point in the night I use psychedelics as a form of inner inquiry. And I have used, um, sort of microdosing, macrodosing, everything in between. Um, I do it on a periodic basis every three to six months so that I could just view my life from a 10 foot view. That's how I experience psychedelics. It's not like in a party or a recreational sense. It's always like a ceremony. I always go in with an intention and I try to use it really, um, thoughtfully. So I went into this journey, not knowing exactly what would come through, but, uh, halfway through the night, I felt called to go upstairs in the house that we were staying at the time. And I went into the bathroom and I just sat down in front of this full length mirror. And I just looked at myself and I had long hair at the time and I could like see through my eyes, my soul and my higher self. It was a very wild experience. And I was asking my soul, like, how can I better embody the energy that I came here to be in this lifetime? And I, I sort of like heard, um, pull up your hair. And so I pulled up my hair into this top bun and I got my hair out of my face. And I was like, all right, like this feels closer, but like what more? And then I got the message, like full body chills as I'm talking about it still mm -hmm. like cut it all off. And, um, the message that I received in that experience was that I'm here to be the mother in this lifetime. Uh, the mother of many different things. And I sort of felt this passage from maiden to mother, which is a more feminine archetype. And then in that same sort of experience, I received the, the message to cut off all my hair. So I feel like I am sort of bridging these two halves, which is my femininity and my masculinity, which we each have within each of us. And um, I got that message again, the beginning of January and I cut my hair mid February. Cause it's so scary. Like it's so silly to even talk about as such a scary thing, but it's truly the scariest thing I've ever done because I tried to get these apps to see what I would look like with the haircut. Like, <laughs> can I pull this off? Like, am I going to look ridiculous? Whatever. Because this haircut takes a long time to grow back. Like it's a semi-permanent decision. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> And when I got my haircut, my hairdresser was like holding my hand and he's like, are you ready for this? And he starts cutting it off. And I just remember feeling instantly lighter. And I think that it's going to be a continuous journey for me to sort of expand my soul and express my soul in this lifetime. But it felt like a big part of the puzzle on the way there. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, it's, I just like, don't even almost have words because I understand like at a non verbal level, like what that, like I can empathize with what that felt like, um, or resonate rather. Um, so I'm having a little bit of trouble, like kind of verbalizing my reaction to that, but 
cool. It's just cool that you can feel it so much. Yeah. It's almost like you've experienced something so similar that, you know, our, our soul, like game recognized game kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, definitely. So I wanted to ask you if kind of wrapping up this idea of soul purpose and expanding our soul and our body, embodying our soul's energy and, and our bodies, is there any other piece of human design that you want to speak to that maybe can help people into understanding their soul's purpose um, through it? If that oh makes my sense. God. I mean, Sid, that is such a big question <laughs> because I think every part of human design is so helpful in just understanding how you're here to live with more ease and to live out your purpose. And purpose, I think people talk a lot about purpose because our souls are hardwired to be here and create meaning and, and achieve spiritual growth. But that spiritual growth and evolution happens through a lot of things. It's not just starting an online business or whatever it is that's typically like pictured or illustrated as purpose. And I'm using quotes. Sometimes it can be just showing up more authentically in your familial relationships or patching up a relationship that has been a decades old resentment or, you know, showing up as a really thoughtful and intentional parent, really curious about who your child is. And it's very much multi-pronged and it plays out moment by moment. And what I love about human design at its core is that we each have inner authority. We each have something within ourselves that helps us live out our purpose moment by moment. For you, you're a self-projected projector, meaning as you speak, you know what's correct. For me, I'm a splenic projector, meaning that from my spleen, my intuition, I get these sort of like little hits and nudges. And that's what guides me. Some people are sacral decision makers, meaning in the moment their gut tells them either yes or no. Some people are emotional decision makers, meaning that they have to wait to make a decision. But of all of these decision-making inner authorities of which there are several more, it's all within the body. None of it is within the mind. So it's dropping out of our heads and into our bodies to make decisions. And there's so many other facets. I mean, human design, because it's four systems in one, it's like page after page after page. I put together people's charts, 30 pages long. But I think the thing that I'm really fascinated with that has completely shifted my view of what my life purpose is, is my incarnation cross, which is the composite of the top four gifts in your chart. And if you look up your chart, you see that on either side of your body graph, uh, there are these like numbers. And so the top two listed on the right and the left create basically your life path woven together. And what's so cool said about this interview, so synchronistic from the universe is that you and I actually have the same life path, which is all about describing our world. We are here to describe our world and we are here to be a bridge between the earth plane and the spiritual planes for people. So I think of all the, the facets of human design, understanding my life theme and my top four gifts has completely allowed me to just be in flow and trust that when I'm using my top four gifts, I almost view it like a checklist. When I'm doing something and using my top four gifts, even if I'm waiting tables or even if I'm just journaling, I'm in my purpose. And it's a continuous expansion of how you're here to use your gifts in this lifetime. Yeah, um, that's so cool. So get a reading with Nadia. <laughs> I want to do a reading for you, Sid. <laughs> oh, yes. I definitely need a reading with you. And I would like to chat about that for sure. Shifting into another piece that I feel is so interesting that we were sort of talking about before is this idea of soul contracts, what they are, 
how they work, how to recognize them, um, kind of opening that up to you. Yeah. It's a big, big topic. And if you look up soul contracts on YouTube videos or podcasts, you're going to hear something a little bit different every time. I think there's something about soul contracts that we don't fully know and we can't know. But my belief is that because we're a soul, we show up in this lifetime and we sign up for a unique sort of avenue of spiritual growth in this lifetime. It's sort of what I was talking about before. And that growth is likely something that we didn't accomplish in our previous lifetimes. So it feels particularly important. So maybe in all your previous lifetimes, you've never learned how to be super present in your life. And so that's a big theme for you in this lifetime. I found in your human design chart, you can look at your North nodes, which is your karmic direction in this lifetime to really see like, what are the lessons that won't come as easily to me in this lifetime, but that I'm going to be really sort of fighting toward. And I'm going to look at your North nodes right now, Sydney. So one of your North nodes is called the gate of the listener gate 13. And so it shows me that you're so on purpose being a listener and being a therapist and being a healer that you're meant to hold space. You're here to store people's secrets. You're here to just be an ear for people. And so it's a a skill that you're really building in this lifetime. It's not one that you come into this lifetime knowing, but by the end of your life, if you're really on purpose, you will have listened deeply to other Mm -hmm. people. And then your other North node, there's a conscious and an unconscious one. Your conscious North node is called the gate of contraction, gate 41 in human design. And this, this energy is that you are here to really dive into your imagination. You, no matter what, if you're experiencing one thing, even this interview, you're thinking about all the other interviews that you could have. Like, that's just the way that you work. You have this fantastical sense of adventure and imagination, and you have a, a, like a mind that's focused on fantasy and, and making your fantasies happen in this lifetime. And it's such a gift. It's actually a very, like, it's a leadership energy that even when you get one thing done, you're seeing all the plethora of things that could happen in future. And so if you're on purpose in this lifetime, you will be continuously sort of expanding into new and better and brighter and bolder fantasies. Cool. Wow. (laughs) That's so cool. Oh yeah. I'm just like sitting with that for a minute. Yeah. Sit with it. It might be why I'm not sure if you're into fantasy novels or fiction books or, you know, uh, interesting movies or TV shows. I love, uh, anything magical, Harry Potter, you know, all of that. Yes. Because it stimulates this part of you. That's like, I want to live out all these fantastical adventures. Yeah. Adventure resonates for sure too. Um, I, I love going on adventures and like treating kind of life as an adventure. Like, okay, how can I like go on a little adventure today? Even if it's just, you know, biking to the town over or something. Um, yeah, that's really neat. So that's your direction in this lifetime is becoming comfortable with I can only have one experience at a time, but how can I make it a really good one? Mm -hmm. How can I continue to expand my horizons through things that I see in my mind's eye that I want to make happen in reality? So even as you were talking to me before this convert, before this interview started about a, a person that you followed on Instagram and you knew that you wanted to meet them in real life and you sort of manifested that into being, that's totally your gate of contraction because you have this vision in your mind's eye and then you you have this pressure to basically live it out in real life. 
Oh, wow. I could like do some things with that. Yeah, you're very magical. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. This is making some things make sense about, yeah, like manifestation for me because I can, yeah, visualize things and then like kind of make them happen or sort of have this precognition too. Oh, this is interesting. Okay. I'm going to play with that. (laughs) The one thing I'll say to like wrap this up is that the lesson in the gate, it's called the gate of contraction because you can only have one experience at a time. Mm -hmm. And so you always feel this contraction because you're like, but I want to have 10 experiences. And it's like, no, you have to. So it's like, can you stay present when your realities come to life? or when your fantasies come to life, rather, Mm. like, can you be in that moment knowing that your imagination is always going to be expanding, expanding. So be in this one experience, contract into it, and then know that on the other side of it, you'll be able to have others. Oh, that's so cool. But a cool lesson in that too. Yeah. Thank you for illustrating that for me. Of course. So I guess meant to illustrate that we all have unique karmic lessons. And I think that those are sort of the lessons that your soul came to learn at a high level but also it can be um, usually familial lessons or relationship lessons or um, learning how to have more structure within yourself or learning how to really love your parents, even though they have ideological differences or um, there's so many ways in which karmic lessons show up. When you choose love in a difficult situation, it's likely sort of your karmic direction and bringing it back to Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter was a completely channeled series. My oh, yeah. um partner Scott and I listen to it once a year, like all the books on tape, we've listened to it probably five times, but if you listen carefully, Harry is always choosing love and courage. And I think that he's just illustrating time and again, how to show up with love, like a spiritual warrior in your life. And I think that he's illustrating basically continuous karmic lessons. Yeah, that is, I never thought of that, but that is so true. Um, Harry Potter is such an amazing symbol of the spiritual world and intuitive gifts and everything. Um, so cool. Um, so kind of wrapping this up. So we kind of come into this lifetime with like, okay, this is sort of the list of, uh, items that would be ideal to fulfill, um, as I'm incarnated, you know, in this body. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, okay, I want to continue to evolve my soul. That's what we're all here to do. That's why we have collective consciousness. It's like we are evolving consciousness as a whole, and we choose to incarnate because it expands consciousness. And as we continue to expand into more transcendent and loving energy, we expand our soul and by nature, collective consciousness. So that's the whole shebang of why we're here. And, um, when we sign up for specific lessons that will sort of like bring our soul into greater awareness and, and love. Um, so cool. I'm wondering now about sort of soul contracts with different people, um, which I know is probably a a really big topic as well, but can you maybe speak a little bit to kind of what I kind of see is like this idea that we're supposed to like meet certain people or maybe be in relationships with certain people or some lesson. And then kind of that's, yeah. A thousand percent. So I have two books for people who are interested in reincarnation and souls and and soulmates. Um, The first book is many lives, many masters. 
And it's a very quick read. I read it in one sitting. And then the second book is Journey of Souls. And both of these books are by hypnotherapists uh, who regressed many, many hundreds, thousands of clients. And they were able to speak about past lives and what happens in between lives. So, so much of what I learned, and it's not so much even learning as I was reading these books, it was like full body chills. It was like, I was remembering. So to get to your question, it's kind of mystical, but apparently we reincarnate in groups. Um, Some call them soul groups. And so the people that you feel most connected to in this lifetime, either a best friend or a parent or somebody that you even have such a difficult relationship with, are likely people that are in the same soul group that you've reincarnated with over lifetimes that you chose specific roles in each other's lives. So it's like, I'm going to come down in this lifetime. I'm going to be Sid. You're going to be a parent that doesn't, you know, like I'm agreeing to be gender fluid to move collective consciousness forward. But as a parent, what I have to overcome is you're agreeing to be a little less open to it. I'm making this up. Of course, I don't know your story, but So this difficult relationship in your life is karmic, meaning that it was sort of like cosmically ordained ahead of time. You both agreed to play these roles. And it's given me so much peace in my own life to realize that difficult relationships that I have or like ways that I've acted not in alignment before. It, um, <laughs> it was almost like I can trust that it was designed that way. And that in order to basically overcome this, I have to grow my awareness and consciousness in order to imbue that relationship with love now. So difficult family relationships. I'm like, you might never understand what I'm doing, who I am, how I'm showing up in the world. You don't need to, after this lifetime, we can reconvene in the spirit world and you'll be like, I was so silly. Like, I can't believe I voted that way, whatever it is, That's funny. Um, I love that. <laughs> but it's given me so much more solace to be like, there's a design here. Our universe is so intelligently designed. There's so many different things, but we still have free will, which is interesting as well, that we have a soul contract, but it's not such a set, set thing. We can always choose more loving awareness and consciousness. And there are sort of like all these different ways that it could go, like a few different um, ways that it could go, depending on how much we show up in our lives. So uh, let me know if that explains it. No, definitely. And like, it just sparks like, so many other questions. Um, but what came up for me and I'm wondering if you like, how, how do twin flames kind of relate to this like soul contract idea? Yeah. So twin flames is, I haven't studied it so much, but it's the, this concept that there's one soul and it splits out into two bodies. So then you meet somebody and you're like, Oh my God, we are one. Like we are the same soul. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I haven't had personal experience with it, but Twin flames can also refer to people who just feel so connected. Like I've known you before. Mm. And what's wild is that you likely have, and that you've been reincarnating with the same person in different roles in your life for many, many lifetimes. And it's just this unexplainable feeling of, I have met you before, even though I'm just meeting you, like I know you, whether that's a romantic relationship, a professional relationship, a friend, somebody that you're meeting for the first time being interviewed on their podcast, like it's this familiarity that can't be explained. And they say that you can see somebody's soul through their eyes. Mm -hmm. So like you can kind of recognize somebody and who they are behind this meat suit, this body. (laughs) And it's like, I see your soul. Like I see who you are. Um, so I find that endlessly fascinating as well. The same person who wrote many lives, many masters wrote about two people who he was hypno regressing separately, 
who were actually soulmates in that lifetime. And they spoke about different lives that they had that completely mirrored each other. And he was like, this is crazy. You both are in my practice. Like, should I introduce you? They ended up meeting in his lobby eventually, but the book is called only love is real. Oh, wow. And I'll put all these books in the show notes. That is wild. Okay. I just love all this. I think one thing that wants to be said is I work with a lot of people who are deeply lonely, Mm. people who haven't met either their soulmate, their person uh, in this lifetime, or they haven't met their soul family, their community of people who really get them at a soul level. And that loneliness is very real. And it's because we come from a place where we have this soul group of souls that know us at such a profound level. And so oftentimes I find that these people have signed up for a season of being alone or a season of being single or whatever it is, um, because it's part of their soul contract and what they're here to do in some respect. Um, but I just want to, to say that even if you, you don't necessarily find the person that you feel so soul connected to in this lifetime, you will go back to a place where you, where you meet them again. And for whoever's listening and who feels deeply lonely, I just want to say like, you're not alone. You never are alone. And, um, the more that you can be authentically yourself and shine your authentic light into the world, you will attract like people. I think that even this conversation with you, Sid, where I feel so connected to your energy and who you are would have never happened if I didn't start putting myself out there as well. So, um, just wanted to share that. Oh, that's really beautiful. And I, I'm so glad you shared that because I feel like that will resonate with so many people. And I think to a degree, it resonates with me as well. And this is kind of a segue into like, maybe the last topic, if there's nothing else that wants to present itself of, I started feeling less alone after kind of the initial spiritual awakening and realizing I have guides around me all the time and, and they're here and I can feel them. Um, and that was something that really, truly made me feel like I'm actually not alone. And I'm wondering if you can maybe from your perspective, because I know I have my own perspective of how can people listening who maybe want to start connecting with guides, intuitive gifts, how can they start or maybe anything you want to share around that? I felt your guides, by the way, I get teary whenever I feel energy outside of us. And I felt like this loving, warm yeah. energy. I know. I felt like they all just, they were like, Oh, are you talking? We're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. Yes. Okay. So I can share my own journey with guides because I think that when people understand that they have a spirit team or whatever you want to call them, like this energy beyond us of, of beings that are helping us and that know what we signed up for in this lifetime. And they're cheering us on and they know it's really hard and they know that we lose sight of it. And they're just trying to show us moment by moment. People get really hung up on, well, who are they? What are their names? What are their identities? Like, what do they have to tell me? I would say, try to let go of specifics. And the way that I connected with my guides is through a simple journaling practice, call it spirit journaling, where in the morning I will wake up and head to my meditation mat, grab my journal and just brain drain for a few sentences or pages, just all the to-do lists, all the worries, all the anxieties, getting my human Nadia self out of the way effectively. And then I'll flip over a fresh page and write, 
what does my spirit want me to know today? And then I just free flow. And the amount of wisdom that has come through in that simple daily practice is profound and it doesn't come from me. And that has given me this comfort that there's something else. I feel like there are categories. I, I connect with my higher self where it's like some wiser Nadia, some badass spirit warrior Nadia, who's like, sit down. Like you need to, you know, like it's knock you on your ass kind of advice where it's like, you need to stop being an idiot. You need to stop nagging Scott. You need to, you know, like get better about treating your body, right? Whatever it is. Then I connect with my ancestors, specifically my grandpa. And I know, I think it's your grandma who passed. My grandma passed. And also my, her husband who I never got to meet is also a guide. They're both, I feel like, and they've been, well, I won't get into that, but like, they're both like main guides of mine. Hmm. And so that's, that's a way that you can sort of like personalize, uh, ancestors as well. Um, and I feel actually connection to my Peruvian lineage, which my Nana is Peruvian. She's still alive, but like her lineage. So it's, um, even if you don't have a grandparent that you were close to, like, you can still feel them. Like you feel your grandma's husband who you never met. So I feel my grandpa all the time. And specifically he, I feel like I, he gives me business advice. Like I'll feel this like paternal energy that comes through and then it's, guides. And, um, it took me many months before I got a name. I was like, what's your name? And, and I heard Joa. So I don't really talk about this that much, but it's such a personal private thing. You know, like, I feel like I have all these specific entities that are guiding my unique life path. And what's interesting is my grandpa would have never gotten what I'm doing while he was incarnated here, while he was in his grandpa form. But in the spirit world, he's like, you got this. I'm all about your spiritual business. Like, let's fucking go. And (laughs) and, um, so I guess like know that there is specificity if you ask for it and if you really return, but just the simple question, what does my spirit want me to know today? I get these very simple messages all the time. That's like, go get out in nature, like breathe, trust. I, I cannot tell you how many times the word trust is written in my journal. It's more than if there was a word bubble of all the words, trust would be like huge and right front and center. So um, we often can't see the path 10 steps ahead. We only see one step at a time. And when I get into this journaling practice, what does my spirit want me to know today? I receive the next step mm. and the next step and the next step. Yeah, I haven't tried that, but I'm going to for sure. Thank you for sharing. I can't wait to hear what comes through. You'll be shocked. It's like you start writing and all of a sudden you're like, this is not me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be similar to my self-projectingness when I'm talking and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, Oh, that's good. <laughs> like I'm just, they're just talking through me and it's this channeling. And so I'm really excited to see what comes in. Like, I know I've maybe done it by quote accident before writing in my journal, but yeah, I will definitely like let you know. Totally. And if you, and for those listening, if you want to make it into like a ceremony, you can light a candle, you can light sage, Palo Santo. Um, you can pull some tarot cards to act as sort of like inner inquiry tools. You can, I've just gotten into tea, tea as a practice. So I pour myself tea and I sip the tea and then I write. So there are ways that you can make it really special where it's like, this is now like I'm open for divine energy to come through now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I will definitely be adding that to my practice. Um, and I was just laughing when you were talking about your higher self, um, because I realized mine is like a fairy, like this, like Tinkerbell kind of energy. I discovered this like a week ago. 
So it's just funny when you, when you meet like your higher self and your guides and you're like, Oh, there are all these like unique kind of beings and parts of us that are also like our guides. Um, it's, it's so cool. And like kind of tying that back into like what you're talking about, about aloneness. Um, when you open that up, you just feel not alone anymore. Cause you know, like there are these beings that always have your back. Um, and when you really sit with that, like, it makes me really emotional to think like, wow, literally my grandma and grandpa and like so many other beings that I'm probably not even aware of yet are around me. Like you said, cheering me on and like, what is more powerful than that? Totally. And it's, it's love energy. Like it makes me cry too. I get so emotional when I think about my grandpa spending, you know, time is not a construct in wherever they are, that realm, but it's like the amount of love, because if we continue to show up in our dharma, in our gifts, in our expansion, in our love of ourselves and other people, we contribute to this greater awakening, this consciousness. So of course they're cheering us on because the more that we are awakened and aware and loving, it helps everybody. And um, yeah, it makes me emotional too. And for somebody who's having a spiritual awakening, going through their dark night of the soul, feeling so alone, being like, who am I? And all of my world is flipped upside down. And what are my values? And you know, what's going on? You are never alone. And um, yeah, Sid, thank you for bringing that that in. Of course. Thank you. Ah, amazing conversation. Um, I'm feeling complete, but I wanted to open it up. If there was anything kind of remaining that you wanted to touch on before. Honestly, we that was awesome. I think that we went exactly where we needed to go. Um, for those who are curious about their human design chart, just go to any free human design site, like mybodygraph.com, And, um, yeah, let the, the rabbit hole begin. Yeah. And can you share with us, you know, how people can get in contact with you, connect with you, get a reading with you and other offerings that you have? Yeah. So I do readings. I love my human design readings. They're more like soul readings. And Sid, I would love to talk with you about yes, let's talk something, <laughs> but I think more than that, um, you can just head to my site, NadiaLast.com. My last name is last fun fact. Uh, and then you can also get in touch with me on Instagram. I'm Nadia last underscore. I share a lot of human design stuff there. And then just tidbits that I'm finding fascinating as I'm going to school to become a therapist. Um, and I also have my own podcast, which Sid, I wonder if you will be on eventually. Um, I accept um, the invitation. <laughs> yes. Projectors inviting yes. projectors. Um, it's called the current and it's basically unpacking collective consciousness and all the threads of what's happening in our world and how to connect with spirituality. So that's my work right now. And Sid, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to talk with you. Me too. It, I just feel so filled up. Um, yeah, I'm so glad we're connected and so grateful. And thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your light and your love and your energy with all of us and everyone go connect with Nadia because as you can tell, she's an amazing soul. So thank you so Keep much. Rocking that hair, Sid. You too. <laughs>